0: Don't laugh! This ain't reality TV! I take this ass! I'm movie stuff! Can we get serious now? It's the Fortress Film Society on the Chad Duke show. <laughs> Alright, now help oh, a little bit if you don't mind, Donnie. The vocals are always for some reason a little bit uh, lower than the background music. That's that's pretty hot, but you know what we'll make it happen. The bed doesn't last forever. <laughs> Oh, boy. Boy, that has to be on a pillow or something. The bed doesn't last forever. It don't last forever. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Fortress Film Society. Generally a bonus episode. Today it is Wednesday's episode of the Chad Duke Show. Of course, as we are continuing our tourless week. Tourless. Very excited. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> well, I don't mean I'm excited. He's very gone. excited. That's rude. It's an exciting Forrest. week. Um, oh. It's fun doing shows with these two gentlemen. I am joined again by... Handsome Matty stakes, King Dingling himself, he who ensconces himself in darkness. murdered by it. <laughs> I came into the studio, and it looked like a fucking the Batcave. Um, hello, Dodson. How are you? The only reason
1: I had the lights on was a, a light on was a
0: courtesy to Goat, so
1: that he didn't walk into
0: blackness and
1: then see me just looming in the corner.
2: Yeah. I heard, I... I heard Goat say to you, you think darkness is your ally? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I always feel it uh, it's kind of comforting and warm to come into a a dimly lit studio. Not completely dark. Sure.
0: Well, traditionally, radio studios are supposed to be dark and cold. Cold, yeah. Um, But
2: I think Eric Bickle has
0: got like a, um, and I love him, but I think he has like a menopausal woman's internal body temperature. (laughs) So like the studio would just always be, it would take a full four hours to get back down where it needed to be because the junkies liked it bright. And hot. Well, and I think there's, <laughs> there's actually a
2: space heater under one of those desks, that, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah.
0: there was a former uh, co-host of mine that used to take his shoes and socks off and then put his feet next to the space heater. Amazing. And fill the room with a, an aroma that I will not describe here. Wonderful. That's
1: HR worthy. It's bad.
0: Uh, there was a lot of. Uh, you know what? Not going to go into. It. <laughs> not that show. Not Fortress Film Society. Everything's that's fine. That's Loud that's good. Goat is here. Hello,
2: Goat. Hello. It's good to be here. Uh, it's been a minute since we've had a traditional Fortress Film Society gathering. So I'm yeah. very, very much looking forward to this. How
0: long has it? Uh, how long has it been? It's been at know?
2: least. A Full month, if not a month and a half, because we've done two make it shows in the interim yes, as yes. special editions of the Fortress Film Society,
0: which I like. Um, and it, but it is good to get back to this, and it's always good. Uh, I, I hate to tip my hand, but I think Goat picked a perfect movie, at least for me, for me to do this because it was short, uh, it was from the 70s, and it was everything I want in a movie. It's, it's a guy walking around not saying anything and they're just kicking the shit out I, of people. It got to the point. Oh, <laughs> God. I, I loved it. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but we also, uh, uh, Dottie and I have been pestering Goat to see uh, a huge blind spot, at least I think, uh, Miami Vice. Yes. Michael Mann's kind of, uh, not send up, what's the word I'm looking for? Adaptation?
2: It's kind of his well, I mean, they Vision. were his. It was his baby, like Miami Vice was kind of his baby to begin with, right? Uh, but so yeah, it was kind of his adaptation or update, I yeah, guess you could say. Yeah, an
1: update is a good word, or um...
2: reimagining.
1: Yeah, reimagining, uh, re- reimagining, reimagining. It's
2: yeah, it's, uh, it's audio animatronics <laughs> down at Disney. It's gonna come. It's coming next summer. <laughs>
0: Fucking it's, great movie. Um, and uh, I know Dottie and I. It's it's one of our favorites. Yeah. Uh, it might be. I mean, if Heat didn't exist, it would be my favorite Michael Mann movie by far. Uh, So Goat saw that, and then um, we'll see where it goes after that. We'll we'll talk about those movies, and uh, very, very exciting. No
1: headlines. Not allowed. Uh,
0: There was one I wanted to bring up. There was one headline that I actually thought would be worth us uh, discussing, and that was some HBO Max stream... Or HBO... Is that what it's called? HBO Max? Yeah. Yeah. Some streaming numbers came out for all of the movies they've released, including The Batman and Justice League, and I I thought there was a very interesting... the the one that was
2: on top, I thought was curious, and so I thought <laughs> we could bring that up, but. Uh- Go. Let's
0: get to it. The floor is yours.
2: It was your selection this week. Uh, we are reviewing, recapping, and discussing the movie Hard Times from 1975, directed by Walter Hill. I believe it was his directorial debut. By the way, Walter Hill
0: has directed some of my favorite movies I, of all time.
2: Yes, his his resume from, from... And he's been a producer on many other movies as well. Like He's very big in the Aliens franchise as a producer. Mm-hmm. So he's responsible for a lot of things that we very much enjoy. He's uh, involved in Deadwood. Uh, and, you know, eat the Bordello of Blood, which is a fun movie. He directed like those, Wild
0: Bill, which yeah. is a fucking great cowboy movie that with Jeff Bridges playing Wild Bill Hickok that nobody's seen. Like, nobody's watched that movie. And he also directed Last Man Standing, which is a remake of Fistful of Dollars starring Bruce Willis. That's Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. it's like a Prohibition right? gunfire. Yeah. Christopher Watkins in that fucking mm-hmm. movie. That is a great, fun movie. That, that would be one that would be – I mean, it's not good, but it's great. Uh, that would be a good – uh, fortress and,
2: and he also was the producer for uh, a film that i know a lot of people hold as a cult favorite is the, the warriors and he so he directed was, the Warriors. he Fantastic. did direct the Warriors. Yeah. excuse me so yeah that's uh, weird but I really good. it's an interesting movie it was kind of uh, a comic book come to life in a lot of ways
1: we re-watched it this past week really fabulous it's a lot of I mean, fun fucking great
0: do you know which do you know that he directed my favorite arnold schwarzenegger movie did you know that? I is it is it Red Heat? It is Red Heat. I believe. I feel like it I remember that when I was Red looking at Heats. this one before I picked it. Yeah, fucking
2: awesome movie. <laughs> Ridiculous.
0: Arnold naked, ripping guys' legs off, kicking the shit out of coke
2: dealers in Russia. And when he's clothed, oh. he's wearing the wife beater for the most of the time, right? He like, is, yeah. he's peak Arnold, and the, and the flat
0: top <laughs> is to the roof. And James Belushi way over
2: the top. Lots of profanity. Watch Red Heat. It's it's a it's a timepiece. Yes, uh, it I think is. so. And this one this one stars Charles Bronson as Chaney. I don't know that we get a first name from him in this one. And uh, and James Coburn. uh, And they are the two focal points, I would say, with uh, Struther Martin as Poe, who comes in as the cut man, but I don't know that I ever saw him actually fixing any cuts. No, um, but he's sort of just the guy who's there to make sure it's a legitimate operation and to keep the other two in line.
0: I honestly, he's the conscience of the group. I remember watching when they were like going around and he was getting like the thousand bucks that he needed, and he, he was—they're kind of setting up for the fights. And I remember them talking to Poe, and he's like checking his knuckles. Yeah. And- I had no fucking idea what his role was the whole time. I'm like, oh, why is he here other than some, you
2: know? There's some comedic relief there from time to time. He had some fantastic lines. He did, uh, but yes, he's billed as the cut man. Uh, but I'm not sure. Yeah, like I said, I don't know that he did any corner work. But basically, uh, James Coburn's character is uh, a man named Speed, who is, you know, the prototypical hustler Shuker gambler. And yeah, he's yeah. he's getting by on on his you know wit and quote unquote charm. And uh, along comes Charles Bronson, who we're introduced to, I guess, as a hobo, because he's riding the rails in Depression-era New Orleans, and he pulls in and sees a commotion across the street. And it turns out to be a an underground bare-knuckle boxing fight, and he goes by to see what's happening, and he ends up getting embroiled in the— The wacky world of underground bare knuckle boxing. You don't
0: think that was his motivation? You don't think that he that was something he was looking for? Or do you think he just happened to stumble across?
2: I think he was a guy who was just trying to make ends meet here and there and saw this and was like, oh. Yeah, I can, I'm can. i a tough guy. I can handle myself. Yeah. I think he just decided it was something he could do.
0: I was trying to figure out, uh, before I realized, I, the movie wasn't as, I thought it was going to be a little bit deeper than it was. Understood, yeah. There was, at the very beginning, and the reason why this is so fresh is um, I watched this movie, as we were recording this, I watched this movie this morning, and then I found out that <laughs> not only did I, the goat did, and then oh, yeah. Dotson watched it the evening before. <laughs> so it's still top of mind. I generally try to watch them the week, the night before, so it's fresh. So do I. But yeah. it's, it's uber fresh for me. At the very beginning, Charles Bronson is sitting... I wish we still
2: had these. He, I guess... Where are they in the beginning? They're not in Louisiana in the beginning, are they? They're not I, in New Orleans. I'm least. not... I don't know. They end up in New Orleans. I don't know exactly where they are. The
0: fucking thing that, that Tony and Manny are working at, where it's like a stand and people sit outside of it. Yeah. And they eat and they drink their coffee and they read their papers, but they're outside. I wish there was more of
2: those like, things. Like a roadside pop-up yeah. diner kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, just,
0: He's in the middle of the night in the city, and there's a lady poured him coffee, and he's just sitting outside. And I don't know, there's something romantic about that. But... There's a scene, there's a part where she says, it's a, a it's a nickel for your third refill. Yeah. And he puts the nickel on, and he says, tip, and yep. walks away. And I was like, well, that's got to mean something about his character,
2: right? right. But I, I ultimately, I don't think that it did. Jesse just wanted to walk away and pay the rent on the table, yeah. How about
1: that dimly lit oyster bar at the beginning? I, I love was, that oyster
0: oh bar. Oh, my God. I can do six more of these. Yeah. And then Charles Brunson's eating oysters off his plate. He's like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. That was not a sanitary seafood oh, restaurant. Oh, no, I
1: was, I was getting stomach aches just looking at it.
0: I was I love that place though because I'm like the only way you knew it was a seafood restaurant is there was that big ship's wheel that was just hanging yep. on the yeah. wall. <laughs> it just was very plain oyster bar. Yeah. I mean, yes. it,
1: it looked like something out of like Union Station.
0: I love the look of the. I love the look of this movie. Yeah, I love the soundtrack. the The cars were cool. Um, I love the way everybody dressed. Hit uh, the big. What is that hat? He. That's not a flat cap. It's not a driver's cap. What is that big fucking fat
2: hat that uh that that uh, Charles Bronson was is that wearing? not a driver's cap?
0: I don't know, or is it man. just a,
2: a cartoonishly large one or just a style of one? I've, I've
0: seen that. the like Peaky Blinders, they wear hats like that. Every, every flat cap I've ever worn is, is just that. It's very low profile. Flatter. Yeah. Um. And I've only seen people wear hats like that in movies where it's like the big bulbous over the top one. And always... I would imagine watching someone walk down the street with one in real life would look fucking
2: ridiculous. <laughs> but it's Charles Bronson, so it looked really right. cool. And in the setting of the movie, it totally made sense. Yeah, I think that was you, you touch on a point that really hit home with me while I was watching it. It the movie felt. Oh right. it did. It yeah. felt right, it felt good. Like it felt like it was almost like you were there, which sounds really cheesy to say out loud, but I I could put myself in these situations and like every scene. Just the way the movie looked was fantastic. There were so many great shots, like the one where they're hashing out their business arrangement when uh, when Cheney and Speed are hashing out their first business arrangement on the balcony on Bourbon Street, I guess. I love you know, that. that. And mm-hmm. you get that- I got
0: some goddamn breakfast here. What's, <laughs> that, what's wrong with you? He starts shaking the bed frame. <laughs> yeah. I like that she doesn't, she's not affected by him at all. Like, no. it, get up. We have,
2: yep. See, we have something to do, and she just lays in bed Yeah, like, Yeah, go to hell. It's like, and <laughs> that, But that line of sight down the street yeah. while they're on the balcony talking, and just their conversation is so matter of fact. You get an immediate sense of uh, Cheney is just- no, I'm I'm here to make money, right. and these are my terms. And it, it was just like that. the The fight scenes are all shot magnificently, as far as I'm concerned. All, a lot of the stages for them look like stages out of fighting games. They do. They all have a lot of very specific the guy's character like to them. Their fists yeah, behind them, like the, I mean, the one that really stands out, obviously, is the, the jumping forward. A bit, the the one that's featured on the poster. Uh, a big cage. Uh, yeah, that cage yeah, with tremendous. three tiers of people standing and cheering, that. and there's a shot at one point during the fight looking down from the top of the uh, the the I guess the the cylinder that they're in. So you see all three tiers and them at the bottom, almost like ant size. In I wonder the what shot. that building could have possibly been used for?
0: Because in every fighting game or like any the, the Jean Claude
2: Van Damme movie, he's always right. going to fight in it's a, a, a building like that. It's yeah. Yeah, it's it's an old abandoned factory. I mean, I guess during the depression there were a lot of old abandoned factories going around.
0: There was a part in the movie where um James Coburn goes up to uh goes up to Chaney and says um you look a little old for it. And I was like, yeah. no no no, he didn't say that. He said uh, I wrote it down actually. Hold on, let me pull it up. He said, you look a little past it. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good way of saying you go kind of <laughs> old for to be doing this. It's a great way to, like, talk. Yeah. Oh, everything oh, in there's there. there's a lot I of lingo. Great, great yeah. lingo. There's one I actually wrote down that I was hoping you guys could help me with. Mm-hmm. Um, when he says in between, when he talks about the in-betweens. Because that's like the, the, the one of the ultimate lines of the movie when he, before he walks away. And I'm like, I don't know what that fucking means.
2: I think that's speaking to him. I didn't look it up specifically, but I believe what I took it to mean is just enough to get to the next town. Like it's just enough to get by, enough to get a place to stay, enough to get some food. Because that was kind of his, okay. his initial thought was, look, I'm not interested in being wealthy. I'm not trying to make a fortune. I'm just interested in you know, here and there and the in-between.
0: That was the only big criticism of the movie that I have is that he seemed so, he he value, he understood the value of money in that world and in that yeah. time where a lot of those other guys didn't. And Speed certainly didn't as he's gambling away no. all of his money on dice. But like, he, he's so fiscally responsible and then at the end of the movie, he hands those two fucking Jagaloons like five grand to take care of his cat. Yeah, Which by the way, I didn't even know that he had a cat until oh, that, yeah. that moment. Um <laughs> I was like, I just don't think, because he goes, don't worry about the in-betweens. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do when you get to the next town? Is there going to be another guy you're going to hit up to be join a <laughs> boxing syndicate? Like- well, you know, I'm a renowned prize fighter yeah, now. Yeah, that part was the only thing that seemed out of character for him. So Walter Hill
1: not only directed this movie, but he wrote it as well. And I think that's just like, that's the biggest piece of its success all over. Is I think this would be a lot of fun if you just turned it on cable. And it was without a director like Walter Hill, but I think he makes it a really great movie, because there's a million Charles Bronson movies out there. I think there's more than one where he's a professional fighter or an underground fighter or something like that. Yeah. And this one definitely is, I think, elevated past a lot of them because there's a great director in the seat. Are you guys Bronson fans?
0: Um, He's got a bit of a, I mean, I've seen some Charles Bronson movies, but he's a bit of a blind spot for me. Same here. I've seen all of the Death Wish
1: movies, which honestly, I I don't really care for. Right. I, I
2: think they're, they're kind of one note hammered out. A yeah. lot over a course of what seven movies? I, I think I it like is. I like
1: what movies came from the Death Wish movies, but yeah. like I, I don't. A lot of them don't work for me. Three is fun. Well, four I, is fun. He's fighting the cartel in four. I think. There's, um,
0: the problem is, I have such a file on Seagal movies because Out for Justice and Above the Law are basically like remakes of Charles Bronson movies, right? The same themes. Yeah, and like Van Dam. I watched all shitload of Van Dam movies. I just think that he was. And Goat's a, t- a touch older than me, but I, I think that he was an action hero right before I got into action heroes. Yeah, I can so see So there's that, yeah. a bit of a blind spot.
2: He was the seventies version of those guys. Like but when I you tell you, Goat, he is he owns when he's
0: on the camera. Absolutely. You're transfixed by and think I was thinking about this the whole time I'm watching it. Think about how hard The Rock tries. Like The Rock is the biggest action hero we have, right? I would he's, say so, yeah. He's got to be funny. He's doing all this crazy shit. He's flexing. He's, he's way over the top. Charles Bronson just walked around that whole goddamn movie. He didn't say anything. And most of the time, he's just in a jacket and a hat. And like the, the chick is obsessed with him, and she wants to be with him. And those guys are like, we're finished as soon as he walks away. yeah, He's just completely effortless in that role.
2: Yeah, he has a history of that in a lot of his roles, at least from the ones I've seen. Have you guys seen The Dirty Dozen? Yes, it's, yeah, it's, I and, have. and he is the linchpin of – he's the moral compass of the dirty dozen while also ultimately proving to be the biggest badass in that yeah. whole group even though he's the least over the top character he's the smallest at least you know size-wise of of the gang for the most part but he ends up being the one that they all kind of end up listening to right. when he lays down the law like look it's our ass if you don't fall in line and we complete this mission and they kind of listen to him right. so he carries that with him like that's his overall feel when he's on screen
0: i think charisma is something you cannot be taught and that's why i think arnold's best roles are where he's chill you know like when he's the terminator you're like okay when he's trying really hard he gets real goofy and it's
2: it's very difficult so so what you're saying is twins is not in your go-to watch list and
0: i i I respect those guys for always wanting to go outside their their comfort zone and try something different but like i i just think you're you it's so hard to just walk onto a camera and everyone just like it's not just because he's handsome or he's in shape or whatever he just has some sort of energy about him and I I felt that the second he got on the screen, and then when he's like, I even like the fact that everyone was shirtless, and he always like had the A shirt on until the very end. It's yeah, like he was not trying to prove anything. I don't want to even speculate what his body fat percentage was in that movie.
2: It could not <laughs> have been in double digits. The man's never <laughs> eaten a sandwich in his yeah. life. So
1: Bronson stopped doing television by 1968. I mean, so by then the Dirty Dozen had come out. You've gotten The Great Escape. You've gotten uh, a couple other movies, uh, uh, Magnificent Seven, and from there on until 19. 19- until 1993, he is doing at least two,
0: sometimes three movies a year. Right, and they're all kind of – this. I mean, the good thing yeah. is he kind of knew – He established it, a
2: template. He yeah. stayed in the yeah. pocket,
0: and he made, a, he made a great living. But um, I don't know. I just wish more guys would be more comfortable kind of in that stoic role. And now you can't have it at all. I mean, James Bond, if you think about what James Bond as a character is now as opposed to what he was – And I get it, times evolve, the the market changes. They want different things out of their action heroes. But man, it was refreshing just to watch. Walks into town, whips everybody's ass, walks out of town, I'm like, oh God, this is so refreshing.
2: Well, and I think some of that has to do with uh, the budgets for movies becoming more and more needed to be recoupable. Right. And so it's not even so much about I guess like social norms as much as it is like well we have to make sure that every facet of every possible audience has something to see in this movie and yeah. I think that's what you see in the evolution of the Bond franchise Could be. where you you can't just have an action movie anymore you have to have an action with some comedy with some romance with well, this th- th- that th- and the other Think about
0: yeah. nobody we all love that but like he's having family problems he's having kid problems he's yeah wife problems like Charles Bronson didn't have any of those no
1: well, I think it's like the modern actor too like actors want to act it's the like range this, it's like the same reason that Everyone, if you're playing Master Chief, you want to take off your helmet. If you're playing the Mandalorian, you want to you know, you're a superhero, you want to take off your mask. the Mark,
0: the Mark Ruffalo syndrome. Actors <laughs> like
1: actors now and, and and like I get it, right? That's your craft and you, you want it to be your show, but I, I don't see any current actor doing what Bronson did and, and taking that kind of direction or really even owning that because they want to show off their chops. They want yeah. to perform and that's why you know these stories have those moments where they can perform instead of just walking in punching somebody But but they're in. not
0: all George Clooney. Like George Clooney comes out of the box. His first movie's what? From Dust Till Dawn. And so then he Oh wow, that's right. Yeah, that that was his first fucking movie. Wow. And then yeah. um he starts he's he's making like what is it? Like peacemaker was a peacemaker. He makes some bad action movies. Mm-hmm but he's George fucking Clooney. Like, he's amazing. He's an amazing actor. So then once he gets up to, okay, we'll make the Ocean's 12 movies, now I'm just going to green light whatever I want. You can trust
2: him in any... Right, and
0: when the Coen brothers do something, I'll do that, and, like, that's all I'm going to do. I don't think a lot of these action guys... And Jim Carrey proved that. I mean, he tried, and he was not equipped for it. Or at least the audience wasn't ready to see him
2: that way. I I think that's really what it all boils down to. I think a lot of it is chasing the audience. Right. And so you end up... You can get away with stuff. If you can fail financially you can do whatever you want artistically but that's the problem when you're doing anything with a big studio they're gonna have so much invested especially these days with the amount of shareholders for everybody you've got to make sure it's viable and that's why you get a lot of watered down stuff that just hits all the same beats over and over again
0: but i also believe that what we're talking about goat is the reason why john wick is the monster that it is is that john wick is a throwback i mean the dog dies and he's upset but he just it's it's what we're describing. John Wick is not a multi-dimensional no.
2: character. it's an anomaly as far as movies are these days, but or think, at least as far as big budget movies are. But yeah, it's,
0: it's all about those finding those spaces in the market. I think is what yeah. you can also see. It's like the, whoever the first motherfucker was that decided to spread avocado on toast, like <laughs> who the shit? It, and then like like why well, we need to find the next avocado toast? Well, go for it. You know, or do, see if you can find that. Please do. Um, and I think maybe that's what John Wick was. Is that we had a complete lack of those type of movies because as we talked about endlessly on the show the superhero you know giant goddamn it's, all-encompassing it's, a, monster. it's taken over yeah it's all the action movies and now by the way it's comedies it's it's everything
2: at this well, point and that's the that's the thing like all the superhero movies aren't even just superhero movies anymore they're all action comedies with a bit of romance and really tight human drama and because they can't just be popcorn fluff anymore even when they are they have to have these other layers right. to get you know the kids in and get the people who don't care about comic books you what know, about shazam
0: i don't i didn't watch the whole thing it wasn't for me but i just it looked like a very just a comedy like a surface level uh,
1: there's not a ton wrong with it but it is it i always forget about it until someone brings it up right. like you just mentioned shazam and i was like I oh, think fuck that's yeah. right.
2: I think I've seen that the last movie. half hour of it. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I that's think I made like a, the best context, but yeah.
0: I think it made like a third of the money as like Man of Steel, but it was because of the budget and the expectations. It actually did much
2: better. It was presented, jokely. Like I feel like because it wasn't he blowing a bubble. He was doing like bubble gum on the poster. I like I feel like I remember that being a thing where it's just uh, you know the guy from Chuck just it, leaning against the word you know chewing gum and blowing he's a bubble. Largely like a comedic actor, yeah. Too he irritates me.
0: I, I I have nothing against him. I just don't I've never seen anything where I, I I'm bowled over by whatever he's doing. I think that's why I stood away from it. I watched the first 30 minutes and I remember thinking some of this is so painfully awful that it I'm uncomfortable. And the, but there was a couple of chuckles. Anyway, I was just trying to Yeah. if you're try, I think you're right. And I think maybe that's where some of these maybe that's why people respond to venom. Is that venom it, you know, other than the fact that the comedy in between The symbiote and Tom Hardy seems to be what draws a lot of people to it. He doesn't seem all
2: that deep. He just seems like
0: he's swinging around fighting big monsters. And I don't know, maybe there's some intrigue
2: there. So I think there's always something. It it depends on how deep you're willing to look or how deep you need to go. I don't need to go that deep. Yeah. Um, Generally not. This movie, uh,
0: there was parts of it that I thought, um, first of all, you mentioned the the lingo. Yeah. at one point James Coburn goes, Does a goose go barefoot? No, I, I was, wrote that, yeah, one that one down. Yeah. The, when a Poe goes up to that broad in the bar and says, Uh, I have the blood of Edgar Allan," and she goes, No do you know what that means? And he goes she goes, No, but I think I'm, I'm gonna sh- hear about yep. it. <laughs>
2: And then he starts reciting the bells. Like, he actually starts reciting an Edgar Allan Poe poem. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. That
0: was her only line. And it was so goddamn funny. And then he's all drunk.
2: (laughs) It's just, that was, I
0: thought that was a great scene.
2: He had some absolute gems in this movie. Uh, I think it was uh, one of them is like, I've always been a student of comparative religions. And when he, he, uh, Speed asks him, how much doping have you been doing? Like, just getting that right out of there. And he goes, well, this month my financial condition has prevented certain journeys of the (laughs) American. Imagination. That's like, a that great line. That is such a poetic way to put, yeah, no, I don't have the money to get high this month. So it's. Uh, he had, some are born to fail, others have it thrust upon them. I liked,
0: uh, the only scene that really I didn't think vibed and, and got too action hero is when they don't give him the money and then they throw the brick through the bar window and he comes in okay. and like, beats up 12 fucking dudes. It just, for me, the prize fighter routine, I could buy that. But what, once it, it left into, okay, we have Charles Bronson, he needs to kick 18 people's ass. Right, in a row. right. And also, I don't think if you're worth that much as a fighter, I mean, I wouldn't know about like the underground CD uh, bare knuckle boxing industry, but you wouldn't want to risk your dude, you know, going in there and doing all that shit. But they did get the money. And then there was no repercussions either. Like he beats up an entire fucking gang, like an armed gang yeah. willing to rob you
2: and then they just stay in Louisiana murders the jukebox shoots out the back mirror at yeah, the bar the which the actually traditionally is a huge insult to a bar owner because I remember reading about that like in the old west if you broke oh, the, sure if you broke the mirror behind the bar you were done well, like, how that do was, you get
0: another mirror. I mean how difficult do you think it was to get an
2: unbroken mirror that's why it was to tombstone yep that's why it was such a big deal And you got to
0: take all the fucking bottles down mm-hmm. and put the oh god it would be a big deal now yeah
2: I mean it's like you know taking off a luchador's mask kind of thing it was like it was an unforgivable Sin at that point. Think about how shitty a bar would be in
0: that time if it didn't have that mirror behind it. I mean, You're just looking at a wooden wall, yeah. in a dingy fucking building.
2: Well, and for the safety of the guy running the bar, if he turns his back and he doesn't have a look at anybody in the room, you never know what's going to happen behind you. Think about days.
0: that jukebox. How much? Oh, that, that I mean, hurt me so much you replace, when he murdered the jukebox. Yeah, but how do you replace a jukebox yeah. back then? Oh, it made um, me so it's sad. Pretty,
1: it's pretty great how much happens in this movie and whatever it is, like just over 80 minutes. And and you know we keep talking about like the dialogue. Too. I just feel like there's a lot of great moments to be able to talk about in such a short movie and I think yeah. a lot of movies from this time really and, and I was actually a little worried going in I had faith cuz it was Walter Hill but a lot of movies like this could be like there's like one or two big set pieces with a lot of and introspection and the rest of it is yeah, yeah the rest of it is like just kind of like floating around and uh, I was very happy to see like there were like several big moments, entertaining yeah. moments throughout this.
2: And I was a little bit wary just because the last movie I picked from around this time was uh, Night Moves. And oh. the trailer made it look like it was going to be this slam-bang, <laughs> incredible thing, and then it was not. Snoozes. And so Snooze. I was, I was, you know, okay, I'm going to take a chance, but I was like, well, Charles Bronson and James Coburn, how could they, they couldn't make a snoozer, could they? And The part that
0: I, bummed me out at the end was the heavy that the dude brings in from Chicago, they spent the whole time calling Charles Bronson over the hill and old and you know, buddy. The
2: whole movie, they're every, the same age. Those it, two
0: fucking guys, and then that guy, was everybody a who spaz. Him,
2: and everybody who called him old looked at least as old, if not yeah, but older than they, him. They weren't fighting in the
0: fight. I mean, I got it. Those guys were all the promoters. We're like the bald guy, the bald guy. I, I don't know how old he, he was. Good though. Yeah, I, oh, I he, was he was amazing. He's a His, pain in the ass. Yeah. Um. But that last fight, that dude that was supposed to be the big heavy from Chicago. Was such a fucking spaz, and he also wasn't <laughs> big enough. Like, if I, I literally looked at that goat like a professional wrestling. It's like right. He's he's got to go over Andre, you know. He's got to you got to bring the biggest, baddest yep. monster into the ring, and then Bronson's got to go over him. And that dude was just throwing these terrible kicks. And I'm like, ugh, I, di- I didn't like the fact that we everything built up to that fight, um, and it didn't kind of live up to the expectation because when that guy first walks in in his suit, you're, you're like, like, oh, he's, he's fucking enormous. Yeah. Look at this
2: man. And then he was just like fighting the one two three kid. He should have, he should have kept his suit on. He would have looked better. And it's all about your gimmick at that. Use point. Use
0: him. Like why would you? If I'm Charles Bronson, and they hand a guy two fucking handfuls of quarters to hit me with. I'm like, well, I'm not fighting anymore. Like, right? What are
2: you talking about? Use him? No, I'm not fighting you. I think that was. I actually that whole sequence. Well, the fights overall, I feel like they were. Well, there were some elements of okay, okay. You know, this is a bit absurd, but they were real enough to feel impactful but still with the element of showmanship to right. be in a movie because if it was just an MMA fight where guys are, you know, being tactical it isn't really all that exciting to the layman so when you see these fights it didn't reach that rocky level where they're taking those, you know, huge swings and coming back, you know, with a with a fist that's telegraphed for an hour and a half before it lands cuz the rocky movies while they're exciting and fun the fights are completely ridiculous. ridiculous and over the top. They, I feel like they balanced it pretty well, especially for the time.
0: The complete lack of damage, especially when yeah. that bald dude is headbutting that one kid. I'm like, yeah. his face would be hamburger. That that was a little, but you know, you can take yourself out of a movie.
2: And he took like he took about thirty shots directly to the chin before he actually crumbled in that Man. in there in their big confrontation. Yeah, it's very easy but,
1: to think of. Uh, I, I know. I'm sure this went through your head. It's it's low hanging fruit, but think of Snatch right right away. Sure, and when he drops that guy in one punch in the first you know five minutes. Yeah, I, I, I you know there were a couple moments during the underground fights where I'm like I'm sure Guy Ritchie has seen this a handful of times. It's not like there's I don't have a, a file on. You know, heart, uh bare knuckle boxing movies, underground bare knuckle boxing <laughs> movies that I've seen. You don't but have a whole section of your the, DVD rack dedicated there were, there were to it. An easy connection to make, but there were a couple of moments where I'm like, you yeah, know, I bet you this was uh, this this went through his TV a couple of times before he wrote Snatch, or, or you know, when he was thinking of building sets or th- things like that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the The part about the, uh, the 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 fighting that I thought. That, they didn't do a very good job. I mean, these are mild criticisms mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I enjoyed the film a lot. But we gave we got no indication that Charles Bronson, like he, he he writes that chick off. He doesn't talk to her. Like I really didn't feel like they did a good job of explaining to us why he decided to bail out Speed at the end. Gotcha. Because um, it was just it was out of character for him up until it, the very end.
2: It was. I think that was something I was watching intently. Because, obviously, there's going to be a confrontation. So right. I'm watching to see, like, well, how do they convince him to do this? And when Poe shows up and says, well, they've got speed. And he goes, okay, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I think it was because he knew it was time to skip town. Uh, when that lady said that she couldn't he couldn't come around anymore, it, it was kind of – he had nothing left right. in town to to really fight for. And so he said, all right, well, I'll make my money, make sure the cat's okay, and yeah. then – on to the next, you know, Charles Bronson adventure.
0: The fights too, it reminded me of I hate to have it always come back to wrestling. But um
2: it, there was oh trust me, I was there was a lot. I actually wrote booked strong in right? one of my notes because I that was throughout my whole headspace. But I always shit
0: it. I always shit on you for the fat Japanese guys slapping each other.
2: <laughs> um in the in the Japan
0: wrestling. But I there's a there's a lot of wrestling fans that, that don't like the the flippy shit, as mm-hmm. they call it. And I think that um you know, there's this there's a school of thought where if you're gonna do some sort of high spot it it should finish the match like it sh- you shouldn't just be doing them constantly because then they lose their meaning and I think it's you know the super kick with the young bucks it's right like the super kick used to be Shawn Michaels hits you with a super kick and it's over end. it's over yeah now they land 365 super kicks throughout the course of a match and it, some people don't like it I think that when you go back and watch a new hope and you watch Obi-Wan Kenobi Sarah Sarah Guinness who's got to be a 65 year old man and he's fighting Darth Vader People go back and watch that fight now, and they're like, "Well, this sucks. Like, I can't even believe it." Because you're watching fucking Ray Parker, and fucking oh, yeah, Ray, Ray Parker, Ray, Park. Ray, Par- yeah. Ray
2: Parker's Ghostbusters singing Ghostbusters <laughs> while he's flipping around. It flipping was really, around,
0: yeah. he's fighting two guys. He's fucking constant. And it's, it's gotten even. It's gotten worse. Yeah, but it's like that's probably closer to what a sword fight looks like. Is what those two guys were fucking well, doing. It's, it's, it's classic fencing
2: as opposed to yeah.
0: And, but the, but to, to your point, Goat, like combat now. And I assume it started with Bruce Lee. But it's so stylized and it's so choreographed and it's so fucking like Jackie Chan. You're watching these, you know, 15 minute fight sequences where he's up and he's down, and he's all over the place. And no, this is probably closer to what a fight would look like. It's yeah, these guys just punching this. Sh- and then the one thing I really appreciated was he worked the fucking body. Yes. Like he would always come forward, and that's what boxers do is they want to fold you up and hit you with those body shots. Um, and then you drop your hands and then you go and to knock out the. F- and I was like, okay, that's realistic. Um, so I think that. Dotson said that he watched Death Wish, and it kind of it's tough to appreciate because you've watched everything that's come after yeah. it. But I think you're right with the stage combat; it's it's so. Fu- if we watch that Everything Everywhere All at Once movie,
2: crazy goddamn this choreographed fight, place. and that's a yeah.
0: comedy weirdo fucking sci-fi movie. I, I think you got to take a step back when you're watching those fight scenes in this movie.
2: I think that's a fair a uh, fair point, and I mean, Dottie, you were gonna say like that's the storytelling element of the Vader and Obi Wan right duel. Yeah, is really what brings it to that kind of mellow quote unquote level. It's it's a very measured two, you know, one old wizened master and one guy who's, you know we haven't seen the extent of how angry he is at the entire universe. So it's very much a you know, what are we doing here kind of situation. Right.
1: And, and and you know, there's there's dialogue in that fight. Yeah. There's not there's no dialogue in the, you know, Obi Wan Qui-Gon Darth Maul fight because because it's so fast paced and, you know, it's it's two different it's it's two completely different movies, and mm-hmm. I think both are good
2: in their own way. You think *Phantom Menace* is good?
1: I think that scene is good. Okay,
2: the the fighting. I enjoy yeah. the fight scene, but well, yeah. and the most again, the most impactful part of that whole lightsaber duel. You, when you see it the first time, you watch them, you know, jumping around to different platforms and going all over the place. But the part that hits home is when they've stopped and they're at that reactor or whatever it is, and you know, Maul's. Taken out Qui-Gon, and that's a quiet moment in the fight, and he's just pacing back and forth. There's no and Ob- music either. And Obi-Wan's waiting no. for the thing to come down yeah. so he can get in and get at him, and you're like, that's the part of that lightsaber duel that means the most because you have a chance to get yeah. that ring psychology, quote unquote, about what's going on but between the combatants. In, in defense of what I was saying, there's already been 35 super kicks. Exactly, you know, like yeah, at that point, exa- literally, I think there's a super kick in that lightsaber. I goal. think they
0: book Maul too strong because when Obi Wan beats him, I, it doesn't seem realistic to me. I'm like, how he was just handing both of you your asses. Yeah, and I know it was like the stupid fucking gimmick where he flips up. Sure thing.
2: Um, but yes, but I agree that there's a there are different types of filmed combat and you have to be able to put yourself in that space also they
0: just i don't know also you got to remember kenobi is fighting he knows he's just delaying vader he's trying to delay vader until exactly those guys escape he doesn't want to win that fight which kind of gives you a little bit more believability. and There's no way he could win that fight at that point. Vader would be too powerful. Yeah, he's in that just, moment, he's
2: just there holding him back. Yeah,
0: um, I just the fucking force stuff too. Like whenever they use the force, I don't know how we get started. I don't know. It's like, wait a second. Whenever so- they use the force in the first three movies, you're like, oh shit, and then like you watch everything that comes after, and everybody's force jumping everywhere, and they're all <laughs> over the place. It's just- it just loses the impact.
2: Well, and so, but to get back to one of the things you mentioned about the how quiet it was in that moment yeah. where obi-wan and darth maul are kind of staring He's off like at each testing other in the force field with his lightsaber i think what makes a big deal in in hard times is that the three previous fights that we see there's music there's a lot of people that one in the cage is so over the top with a million people cheering for blood and money and the final showdown in that oyster shucking warehouse is silent there's no score there's no crowd you hear boat noises from the dock and the people in the warehouse you know saying you know making encouragement and uh you know shouting at the fighters while all you hear is the fight sounds and i think that really gives it a level of importance over the other fights it really drives home that this is the one this is very important yeah it was like a master stroke of, as far as the score and the soundtrack. Knowing
0: when to use music and when not to use music is such like a um, like. I mean, you really can. All directors, there's a the soundtrack and it play is such a big moment, but there. Mm-hmm. This do you remember when the? Jurassic Park, one of the greatest scenes in the history of movies, is they're stuck in the gas-powered jeep. The power's off. You see the one claw go up, and you know that Tyrannosaur is there. Yeah, it's fucking. All you hear is the the world. Yep. You, you don't yep. hear anything
2: except the thud. Uh, and it, oh man, and, and it's
0: I get chills. I'm just you get chills thinking about it. right If you now. have a
2: solid subwoofer, you turn that thing all the okay. way up, and you get that first thump from the T Rex's hand go or T Rex's Jura- claw, and you're like, oh. Go watch
0: Jurassic World Dominion, and then say, how is this. The same franchise is what produced that scene because what all it is is the dread of the and by the way the elation it's like oh my god the T Rex is coming that's what you've been
1: waiting for the whole time you have one of the best guys to ever make movies making that first one and then you have not necessarily bad directors making the sequels but they just they don't have the same touch right it's not you think
0: there's less patience though like from the audience and they know that there's less patience so they
2: have to oh yeah cram as much attention span theater is is definitely i I,
1: I think that's i think that's totally fair um kubrick was also a master at using silence at the right time or or sound versus um versus a score at the right time
0: and i also think we are so conditioned when we're watching something to hear music that when there isn't any and the director knows how to
2: use it it's it's so impactful yeah I I think that's a huge part. And that's why this really stood out. Like, it was the fight started, and you're like, oh, well, there's going to be at least like, dun, 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 dun. dun." It's like, no, nothing. There's this, um, I hate to digress again. No, go ahead. There's
0: this part of Jaws, and it's right after Quint has been bitten in half and dragged off the boat. And there's this crazy sound at the end when he's shooting. He Go, and Come on, hit the tank. Mm-hmm. But there's this one just gap of silence where Brody mm-hmm. is crawling up the fucking orca as it's and it's leaning down into the water. And then he's like bashing the shark with the fucking tank. There's no sound at all except yeah. like the ocean. And you're like, oh, my, he's going to fucking die. Quinn's dead. Like, there's yep. no way he's getting out of
2: this. The sound effects are the score yeah. at that point. It yeah. stops
0: being because Jaws is a, a movies
2: movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: It stops being a movie, though, and you're on the boat, and you're like, oh, my God, it's going down, and there's
2: giant shark is out there. If you're ever in a crowd of people, and suddenly it gets quiet, your attention, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you know, your ears go up. Around. You're like, yeah. oh, God, what's happening now? Like, cause it, so that's like when that drops out in a movie, your focus becomes just laser on, on whatever's happening on Man. screen.
0: The, pro- the only issue that I had too, is... And I like when a guy's untouchable. I like when an action hero is like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. No. Like Casey Rybock, I think he takes a little nick on the side, but then he mows through an entire battleship full of terrorists. <laughs> Nobody touches him. Um, but you never really think Charles Bronson's going to lose. At least no. I did. Not once in that movie where I'm like, no one's going
2: to touch this dude. Although there was that audible pause and gasp from everyone on screen when he gets knocked down for the first time in that last fight and you're like oh and then when he gets the double axe handle to the middle of his spine and he falls down you go oh, has Icarus flown too close to the sun? He sat
0: there. I was kind of embarrassed for him because he put his head down completely and was punching with his head. Like, yeah. Literally, he's looking at the ground. Like a little kid. Oh, that's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> I was like,
2: this is bad technique. That's not what was you like, do. You need to get back in the gym and work yeah, on that. Neither of those
0: guys were prize fighters, you know what I mean? They're right. They just were scrappers. And yeah. He wouldn't, might not know have any Have either better.
1: of you guys seen 10 to Midnight with Charles Bronson? Mm-mm. I have he's not. A, he's an LAPD detective uh, tracking a, a murderer. It's batshit. It's, really? It's,
0: it's, is it as batshit as Ricochet? <laughs> not, not to that level. What there, could be? There
1: is there is some like there is some craziness in it, but it's it's you know it's like I, I think early eighties. Like it's not the cocaine fueled,
0: you know, some of that early eighties disaster. 80s. There's a hangover from the late seventies. It is
1: it is it is an it is a nuts movie. It okay. might be on HBO. I I like caught it randomly with a friend once, and it is uh it's definitely worth your time. And to me, it stands out a little more than your average Bronson movie because it's so nuts. It's mm. not as like. <laughs> it's not he's, the measured he, yeah, revenge exactly. guy he's yeah. not like as calculated okay it gets kind of crazy because he has a daughter in the movie and his daughter gets involved in the story so uh very much worth checking okay. out if you're if you've got the bronson bug right now i, do, I
0: mean i wouldn't i like uh, I, I mean everything i've seen once upon a time in the west i mean he's great in that like i i'd he transfixes me whenever he's on camera, so yeah, I'd watch anything. Yeah, I in. mean,
1: his best movies are the ones where he's part of the ensemble cast. Okay. Great Escape, things like that.
0: I also don't. I, he's one of those dudes like Clint Eastwood, where if he was if he looked younger than forty five, I think he would be off putting. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's gonna I have, think like, he's, the kind of he's looked the that old
2: since he was twenty. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very. It's kind of jarring to see him on old television shows where you see him doing a bit part on you know some of those anthology series. I think he was on an episode of The Twilight Zone at some yeah. point, but yeah, it's. It's very weird to see him in black and white and young. If, <laughs> this,
0: if this movie was made today too, there would be a lot of they would torture James Coburn. Like I, I like oh, the yeah. fact that there's not that moment of everyone's someone's getting the shit kicked out of him, his broken bones, and now nah, he just kind of glides through the whole thing. And like those guys are kind of criminals, but
2: they're also kind of businessmen. Like, right?
1: There's nothing too like cr- like you're not like turning away from the
2: screen. No, I moment. think that's a great point. There's nobody that's so wholly unsavory right everybody's just out to do their business and you're like well you're in my way of getting money so i'm mad at you but then as soon as everything's cool it's like oh okay you know we, we're we're good everything's copacetic now even the loan shark goes like all right well i got my money you have to talk to that guy now right. and even his heavy just comes around they break the they car They break like the window out of the yeah. car they don't bust him up or anything
1: and that might be another reason that the death wish franchise really didn't work for me i think i talked to to lubomir about this once where like all of those movies like someone's getting fucking raped yeah and like all of the like the 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 bad guys are so heinous yeah and horrible that you know any, anytime like a woman comes on screen i'm like oh well i know what's happening here in the first 30 minutes of the movie and like that always it always comes true and i yeah. think that's another reason that it's like so off-putting is like we're th- those those movies are see kind of, they're 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 punishing And there's not a whole lot of like redemption around it. I don't know. It's that's that's tough when that's like a theme of your franchise. That's pretty off putting. Yeah,
0: it's uh the I don't know world building is the right way to describe it, but whatever. I I like like what the the limits were on this. Yeah, you're right because when there's a really insidious, heinous, fucking villain it's good when they finally get their comeuppance but i don't like the journey to get there i don't like seeing all that shit.
1: those movies are hard to stomach at times which is that's why i think death
0: have you ever seen uh you ever seen death warrant
1: Death Warren. With uh,
0: Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, no, I haven't. If Claude I have, I've got it mixed up with other Jean Claude Van Damme he's movies. Prison, but... He's in prison. And That's it's just right. a lot of prison shit, Jeez. and it's yeah. just it's too much. That's why I like Hard Target, where he's just got a
2: mullet and he's flipping around on <laughs> top of a Camaro. And the, I think one of the movies we watched uh, for the Film Society, uh, VFW. Yes. The, the main bad guy yeah. in that one is very over the top, he's but hideous. the movie is it's over very the, top. the top. So yeah. it, it fits within the world. Um, The only thing I had left to talk about this one that I really wanted to touch on is how it kind of sets a little template for the talent versus promoter discussion that we've had about um, MMA fighters and boxers in general, how speed is there going, well, you owe me. You wouldn't even be in this if it wasn't for me. It's like, but you wouldn't have any money if it wasn't for the fighters. So you know, when he comes to him with his proposal and he goes, no, 60-40 my way and 50-50 split on the bets. It's like- no, that's not the way it goes. Well, all right, bye. Hmm. And then, so it's it's one of those situations because we've had that discussion personally. I know you've talked about it on the show. Is right. how much money do the fighters deserve? How much? How much do the athletes deserve yeah. in a league? Like, where does that line get drawn? Who begets who? You know, is it chicken and egg scenario? It's like, tough,
0: especially. I mean, the, you know, the UFC constantly gets criticized yeah. for that. But um, in this particular one, I thought it was also worthwhile. It, Charles Bronson kind of. It, it doesn't sound like the other fighters are their own men. Like when he's having Very that negotiation so. with that other promoter and he's like, I want 5,000 of your boy. And he's like, you talk yeah. to me. It's like, that's gotta be really rare in that world. Um, you know, with fighting it's different too, because you got to pay for your camp and you got to pay for your trainer. And then like, you're, you're not make, I was talking to a, a professional gamer and he's like, look, if you go to tournaments, he's like, winning the tournament is not why you go there he's like you go there to get notoriety mm-hmm.
2: because it's the networking even yeah. if
0: it's five grand it's like you got to pay the entry fee you got to pay your hotels they don't pay for any of that they gotta no. pay for travel oh no he's like don't ever go to a tournament to try to not that i would ever go to a tournament but like i <laughs> think you're gonna even if you win it think you're gonna get money he's like it's yeah. not gonna make any impact it's like it's all about you know what comes afterwards so you know it's all it, it all sounds very exploitive um, and we all just assume that with the fame and the notoriety, notoriety that, that money. That's comes the with trade-off. It. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting subtext to this one, uh, and it really stood out just because we've had that conversation in recent years about you know who makes what, and like you said, the UFC how they're shortchanging their guys right. so bad. The fact that he was just, I can take this or leave this. That's one of the reasons where he's good with just getting the in betweens. Yeah. He's not looking for that big payday.
0: I don't want to make it sure that I say I don't know that the UFC is shortchanging their guys at okay. all because I think that so much of it is based on you draw nothing like if not one person is going to watch this pay-per-view because you're right, you're of you you right you you're right um, and i and i think you got to take that into account
2: but it's a hard it's a hard balance to strike because sure. you see that in other leagues where you know the players are making x amount of the revenue in in like say football or yeah. and that's where that strife comes in it's like well would you have a card to put on if it wasn't for the fighters would the fighters have a place to fight if it wasn't for the promoters so maybe it's more about meeting in the middle as opposed to one getting the lion's share of the the, over the other so it's i mean it's not for me to decide and i'm right. saying it's i just thought that was an interesting sidebar out of the discussions that were had in this movie
0: i also like the fact that ufc is a meritocracy where it's like knock out of the night fight of the night mm-hmm. it's like hey go out and entertain better than everyone else and you're going to get more money um the other part of it that i'm okay with is that dana white always says if you think you can do it better do it better gotcha because no one else has been able to i mean bellator exists
2: one exists right
0: but, but but fucking uh, T- I remember Tito Ortiz knocked out. um he fight Chuck Ladell again. You know, I don't remember. Yeah,
2: I think it was. It was. He got on,
0: up on the cage and he goes, "Come to Golden Boy. I got paid. You'll get paid." And they went down. They broke down. What the guys on the undercard got, and they got yeah. fucking fifteen hundred dollars to fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like it there's ten times less than what they get and, in the UFC. And so perhaps it's not even just singling out UFC. Right. It's just that that whole world, that structure in general. It's hard to make a living as somebody who isn't on top yeah
0: Yeah. it's just easy for jake paul to say pay your fighters like hey dude, build something where you're going to sell you pay the fighter yeah who else is selling the pay-per-views that we're selling in 2022 the list is no one no one is (laughs) it used to be the wwe and now it's not the wwe anymore all right oh god what did you think of randy orton's mustache it's interesting. Everybody seems very excited to talk it's, about it. Uh, it's, it's a thing. I still am. I'm, I'm surprised at how shocked I am to see Cody Rhodes in the WWE <laughs> still. Every time he pops up, I'm like, that ah, looks weird. You're like, wait a second. But I think it's because they're doing that on purpose, right? Like, they're booking him the same way he was booked in AEW, like the music and the look and yeah. the, the, the forbidden terms. So.
2: Well, I saw somebody was speculating that it was like almost – a. it was like – a middle finger to AEW that he's using the same music. I was like, "But well, that's his music." Yeah, I don't think it's a middle I finger. I don't. To AEW. I don't think so at all. I think it's it's a an accommodation for Cody to come in and be Cody Rhodes and still just be the same guy that he was on the Indies, the same guy that he was in AEW, the same guy that he is here. I think if anything, that's a ray of sunshine and hope for professional wrestling overall going forward, where guys can keep their gimmicks and go from place to place. Well, so you mean, have to reach a certain level of him. notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, everybody but, else gets fucked. But I mean, yeah, so
0: um all right
2: uh we want to go to watch for many uh months uh oh did we want to score this guy really oh, sure,
0: sure, sure.
2: i will go first i guess because then i can't you know counteract your sure. score i was teetering on this being i, I want to give this a four but i think i might be at a three and a half uh because i can recommend this to a lot of people right and there are some some Time uh, relative, you know, I guess uh, era specific flaws that the movie might have. So I can't, I don't know if I can go to a full four. Um, So I would say this is is a three and a half for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's not long enough to ever get bogged down. I think if you're looking for a fun action movie, especially in a throwback variety, you can't go wrong with this. Um, if you're looking for things to nitpick, you will find them, which is why I think that I wouldn't go as high as a four on it. So I'd say three and a half.
1: This sits at a four for me. I think actually kind of the inverse of what you say, Goat. I think what it is from the time period that it comes from, I think it's a great example of the types of movies that could come out at the time. And it's probably better than most. Like I said, I don't have a read on every bare knuckle boxing movie that came out in the 70s, right? (laughs) But compared to a lot of Bronson movies that I've seen, and, and it's got the Walter Hill touch all over it. So... It sits at a four for me. I think it's um, it's really well put together, and and I think Walter Hill makes it a four. If, okay. If there was a lesser director behind this, it would probably sit at a three and a half, maybe even a three. But but it, it really it gets elevated to a four just because of the, the dude knows what
0: he's doing.
2: Yeah. He
1: knows how to make movies. He's an all time pro.
2: And the visuals are just so great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know how it could be anything less than a four, just because it, the only thing that I could think of is if you're not looking for a movie like this like yeah. if, you, if you like the piano and you watch this you're not going to give it a 4 but if you're looking this I don't know what they could have done that would have been any better than what they did it's it's 90 minutes there's no plot other than he wants to be, <laughs> make money and still I was entertained the whole time I didn't check my watch I didn't yeah. make pause it was I like all the characters in it the actors are good uh the I get the scenery and the music and the cars and the the costume, the wardrobe is great. I love the time period. Um, I want to
2: hire that Zydeco band to come play at something. Yeah, there,
0: there was no, there was nothing deeper. It was just exactly what it was. And and if that's what you're setting out to do, then it was, it was, you know, it could be higher. It could be a four or five, but, you know, it's just a, it's a ninety minute Charles Bronson movie. So I don't know if I'm getting four, but it's a four. It's definitely a four. And I, I, th- I hope people that listen to this check it out. Definitely, um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's again one of those great things to watch where it's of a period where everyone's taking from this period. So you'll see a lot of other movies like, Oh, this reminds me of this. It's like, Oh, like the Dotson said, they probably watched this movie. You know, they probably, is probably
2: an influence. Yeah. If if I could add a quarter of a point to it for the poster itself, then I would do that. Fucking great poster. Great poster. I sent over uh, this morning. I was like, holy shit. I finally got around to
0: Googling. Because I like to Google the taglines and the poster for any movie that we're watching. And I was like, this is fabulous. (laughs) It's really great. (laughs) What a great poster. There's a bunch of them for it, but the one where it's uh, Charles Bronson and the bald dude in the, the cage. Um, it looks to be like some sort of stylized painting photograph. I don't know some shit. Yeah,
2: it's like very desaturated. It looks like it's yeah hand hand colored photograph from from the era. Did we not decide whose next pick it is? I think it's Duke's. It's usually yes. I'm last because oh, we, I thought it was Dodson because no. we removed Tour. <laughs> so I, yes. I would have thought, Well, I, I mean, I have a movie that we okay. can watch.
0: I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I didn't. I I was almost positive it was yours. It's I not, think mine was the the last one was the Elijah Wood movie. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, This is a no-brainer for me. Um, If you guys have seen it, then let me know. Uh, I want to watch X. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about this fucking movie. It's a horror slasher film that actually was in the movie theater, I think, just like about a month ago. Mm -hmm. It's available on demand. Um, I don't know... The only thing that's stopping me is that it it might still be for
2: purchase, so we'll have to check on that, or maybe we'll wait a little bit. Um, yeah, it looks like it's uh, it's on Prime for nineteen ninety nine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to fucking. Uh, I don't want to pay that. So maybe okay. we we can like we can put like a, a make it show in between sure. and then wait for this thing to be on demand. This does look fascinating. Yeah. Just, directed by a uh, Ty wow. West
1: who made House of the Devil. Yeah, amazing
0: movie. House of the Devil is the one that AJ Bowen's in, right? Yes, that's a fuck. That is. That is a really crazy movie, uh, because it's so slow for so long and then there's like just this explosion of yeah. <laughs> satanic nonsense. I was texting him about that movie the other day <laughs> where I was all drunk up and like, hey, what about this fucking <laughs> <laughs> Well there's a scene where he's just covered in blood and like slipping on blood. I'm like, dude, that had to be one take, right? How do you refill <laughs> that? Yeah, it? He's like, right. It's he's like, Yeah, at that point it was one take. <laughs> 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 um Yeah, so I it looks like um I think they're on the set of like a um they're going to make a porno movie in Texas, and then there's a, uh, a serial killer that shows up. So maybe a little Texas chainsaw, I'm not sure. But I've seen a lot of people say a lot of good I've things I've heard nothing but it. good things from friends who have seen it. It looks
2: like yeah. there's a – It just on the little clip that rolls when you go to IMDb, there's a lot of different types of cinematography in it. Like there's some shots mm-hmm. that are through the 8 millimeter lens from back in the day. And there's some, you know, obviously current modern footage that looks you know, to set the scene. Yeah, but there's there's this looks really fascinating.
0: I want to watch it and then so selfishly, if I didn't know it was my pick, we'll pick this movie because then we can watch it and then we'll be we can Sounds talk good. About it. I'm actually shocked that Dottie hasn't seen it. It would seem like one that he would drive up to Baltimore to it see. It does feel like one that he would definitely <laughs> make. The I know. It
1: was only in theaters for like maybe two weeks. Um but I uh, I, I, I do regret missing it. I, I'm I'm really excited to watch it though. It's been on my The A twenty four people on my radar. You
2: I'm know really, you're in for
0: a ride. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go say cirrhosis of the conscience and then say X.
2: I like cirrhosis of the conscience. Should... Every fucking band he goes to see a, <laughs> it's a more horrifying name than oh, the We, we got to wrap this up.
1: I got to hit the road. <laughs> Are you really going to Baltimore for a concert? I am tonight. Absolutely. Oh, oh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Teddy, that's
0: fucking terrible. Uh, you know they have concerts at other places than Baltimore. Uh, so I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe you haven't been robbed. All right. Let's um. So, let's uh. We, we wanted to talk about Miami Vice. Uh, what year did Miami Vice come? Two thousand six. Wow, that's crazy. That was that 2006 is a weird year because that's when I was in Phoenix doing Big O and Dukes, and there was a theater called the Esplanade. And I think Oscar and I, when we were first there for the first five months, went to the movies every fucking weekend because we didn't know anybody else. Right. And so we just, whatever was coming out, we went to see it, and I, we saw this movie in the
2: movie theater. And I remember just walking out, being like, we both loved it, which is very rare for right. him yeah. and I. Um,
0: Great fucking movie,
2: and loving it was also rare for the time when it came out because it was not exactly a uh, a no. sensation.
0: No, I think I think most people I mean, it was panned, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think very was, much. So. I think it was a flop. Also, it's it's really yeah.
1: more of like a cult thing
2: mm-hmm. nowadays.
0: I don't know how that. I don't know. If you like Michael Mann and you want a Miami
2: Vice movie, like how do you do a better job than this? I, I was shocked when I watched it and realized, like, I was like, people don't like this movie. How the fuck, fuck, fuck? fuck? is so cool? So I think it suffered from the. I think if it had been called something else, I don't think people would have been as upset about it. I think it's the fact. What are that, they upset about? Well, I think it's because people were expecting like a fun, Miami campy, Vice. Campy, and, yeah. Well, and it was also in that sort of area where like the Starsky and Hutch super weird Ugh. comedy remake. Like, they were doing that, where they were doing, like you said before, it was a send-up. They were doing send-ups of classic properties That's at that point. point. Dukes of Hazard. And so, yeah, the Dukes of Hazard movie was, I, I think, same, yeah, same just same around era. that yeah. area. And so, this movie came out and people were like, well, where's Miami Vice? This is, this is like, uh, this is not what I was expecting. So I think there was a uh, a little bit of I guess rug being pulled out from under people's expectations when they went to the theater, so they react negatively to that. But Collateral
0: so- was his last movie before this, too. Yeah. And I think that was a big hit. Um,
1: I think everyone I, loved pe- that. People were put off and it, it's still a little jarring if you're watching it for the first time. People were put off by his like early digital look that he was doing, you know, where very almost, yeah. It almost looks like a documentary okay. because he's using those like those are when the digital the digital cameras were not what they are now. Yeah. And for a while people were very against using digital. And he was the first one of the first like big directors to, go to be like, all in. I'm gonna do yeah. this, right? and uh collateral has that look, Miami Vice has that look, even um, Black Hat which was like 2015
2: okay. has that in that, that isn't interesting he? Yeah. look.
1: Yeah, couldn't tell you. he's a hacker, couldn't tell you what it's about really, but I liked it. Mm. Like it's fun to watch, I don't know, man.
2: Uh, check it out. I haven't yeah, I I did not necessarily plunk down my time to watch Black Hat. <laughs> Public Enemies one of
0: the two most disappointing movies I've that ever seen. That one is not good. It's not good, and it's fucking. It's it's Johnny Depp
2: as it should have been so much more. Yeah,
0: and it's Michael Mann. It's like God, how do you fuck that up? Um, this movie is fantastic. I love Colin Farrell's hair is ridiculous, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> him and, and I think Jamie Fox is usually man, but annoying. And I I I thought he was great in this fucking. This movie. This is
1: after he won the Oscar for Ray. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but they're they're great together. Um. The whole fucking thing they're doing, where they're running down this over the top drug cartel, is great. And and Michael Mann does. We talked about music. The, sh- he, the shootouts he does. Yeah. There's no music at all, and it's the gunshots are all you're hearing. It's like this is what it. That's got to be the closest it feels like to be in a fucking gunfight out of any movie experience that anyone's ever done. Um, they have this big. Gigantic over the top gunfight, and there's a bunch of great action in the movie. But at the end, mm-hmm. when they're in that uh, the final showdown, she's, she's mine now. Maybe I think I'll have a bite, and then the fucking everyone just starts shooting. Um, yeah, that 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 to me is worth the price of admission alone. That gunfight,
1: and that's another reason that I think the digital that early digital look works so well is because it looks so it just looks so real. It's not polished at all, Absolutely. so it's, it's definitely just, not polished. It just yeah. looks like you're there, and I think that most you know, if any idiot took a digital camera and filmed something like that it probably wouldn't work but he makes it work because he's one of the greats he's just one of the best movie makers out there
2: i i think there were some spots where i felt like i was watching like an episode of cops in summers because it had that super clean digital video especially when it was the over the shoulder shots that were really pov i think those were almost jarring i really appreciated the wider shots where you saw you got a lot of the action but you needed that juxtaposed with the visceral in your face shots up in, you know, as people were getting shot or punched or they were moving, even just moving from one place to another in like Mm -hmm. a covert operation. Right. When you have that in tight shot over somebody's shoulder, it lends an almost claustrophobic quality to it so that when something big happens, you get kind of that. It it, it feels bigger. It feels more bombastic.
0: I I think you guys know that I I, I don't like when there's a lot of agenda in movies I thought that so the main villains are like uh, not the main villains but one of the the, the, the other villains is uh, this this Aryan brotherhood like yeah. I thought and again I hate to use this term they booked them well if that was made in 2022 they'd be putting burning crosses in front of their fucking trailers and then Jamie Foxx would kick the door and go you motherfucking racist it was just like these are criminals and they have
2: like they're, they're bad people they're bad very people very bad and they people. get they get
0: treated like you would treat bad criminals yeah But it wasn't over the top. Everything felt like this is the way it would be addressed. That scene where they're in the trailer and he's got the detonator around the neck. excellent. And she's like, what would happen is this round would go right through the stem of your fucking brain.
2: Like, that is such a great scene. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of really solid exchanges in the heat of the moment. There are some eye roll inducing lines throughout the movie. But I think when the action really gets going, you get a lot of those great exchanges. I
0: don't care at all about... Colin Farrell and the chick, and when they go, it's a huge part of the movie. Yeah, though. yeah. When I, but the, when they get on the cigar boat and go to yeah. Cuba, I'm like, yes. well, that's <laughs> Fucking baller shit! <laughs> Who else can do that?" And it goes steady fast.
2: But it's like, like, wait, aren't we in the middle of a complete undercover operation where we're supposed to be delivering yeah. drugs in the next like 24 to 48 hours? Ah, fuck, fuck it. it. I'm gonna fuck this. I know wife. what I'm doing. Like,
0: um, <laughs> it reminded me. Did you guys see Fury with uh, the the tank movie with yeah. Brad Pitt? Oh
2: no, I haven't. David Ayer. F- do you like movies? I do. <laughs> there's I do. There's a fucking,
0: there's a part. The beginning of Fury is an 11 out of two. It, it's mm-hmm. fucking unbelievable. You say 11 out of two. 11 out of two. Like it's so great. <laughs> and then there's about a 40 minute period in the middle where they're just in a house and there's like they're trying to do some sort of romantic thing. You're like, when the fuck does this movie start back up right. again? And then it starts back up again. That it felt a little bit there's like a little that in intermission my there. Yeah, I was like, I don't fucking
2: care. Let's say I'm a fiend for mojitos or something. I Love that. <laughs> yeah. How fast
0: does that go? They go to Cuba for mojitos. Um, But the part about it that's cool, the part about it that isn't cool is that I don't believe Colin Farrell would actually fall in love with that fucking chick. He's a vice (laughs) cop. He's in control of everything. Like that part, they didn't book him strong enough there.
2: Like he should, he knows he shouldn't form attachments to anyone ever for any reason whatsoever. Jamie Foxx has got a line about that. He goes,
0: "There's a cover, and on this when if you don't know what's up from down." And I was yeah. like, "All right, come on, right, this is very Miami Vicey." When you're going
2: <laughs> deep cover, like, oh, I mean, that's man. why.
1: It, that's why it works for me. But it's never like, I don't know. There, there are like some cornball lines, but it, it within the world that this movie sets within, like it, even it, the look of it, yeah, the context it, it does yeah. it does work. And I think you know his use of like rock music throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. In any other movie, it would be you know, stylized and there would be slow motion and there would be close ups and like because that doesn't happen, the the use of you know non point the, the use of non points <laughs> cover of in the air tonight.
2: I don't give a fuck how schlocky that is. Although, I get pumped every time I hear it's, it's it. The, it's fucking
0: <laughs> <the only laughs> great. I the, love the, it.
2: The only thing that bummed me out about it was is they leaned on the drum kick twice. Yeah, because you—that's supposed to be like your main event, like uh, entrance music. That's well, my only. That's my only drawback <laughs> for using that. That's your. That's your like. Oh man, it's <laughs> it's on. Hashtag now. goats quibbles. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> very minor nitpick.
1: And but- and I only realized when so the Miami Vice the show is on Peacock right now, and okay. so I've been diving in, and yeah. I, I actually I really like watching it. So the pilot, M- Michael Mann produced the whole show. Mm-hmm. He directed the pilot, and and the pivotal point in the pilot is. Is when they're playing the Phil Collins song while Sonny and um Tubbs are driving. They're just driving yes. at night together. Yeah, they're just and I'm cruising. Like, well, yeah. this is fucking
2: cool. Yeah. And
0: so it's it's even better to go back and they you never know, call them Crockett and Tubbs
2: in the movie, though. They don't because they're undercover so. the whole time.
0: I know, but like It's cro- weird. I, it's just strange. Yeah. yeah. You know, it'd be like if you made a perfect Strangers movie and you never say Balky Barkama. Cosin Larry. Coas and Larry, <laughs> <Cose> <laughs> and Larry yeah, Appleton.
1: You how about, go- uh, Justin Thoreau running around as Zito. I, I <laughs> love I love when he pops up in movies. He's just uh I don't know. Anytime he's a great character actor.
0: That guy John Ortiz is in this movie too, and he's in a thousand different movies, and he's got a perm. He, he plays such a great fucking bad guy. I love. <laughs> his I perm love. Is he, so he, amazing. His, his perm is fabulous. And then what sucks is they like they left it
2: open for a sequel. Like that dude gets away, mm-hmm. and we're well, never gonna get a sequel. Clearly, but uh, yeah, and that's where I think I think if this if it hadn't. I, th- I think if it hadn't been called Miami Vice, I feel like it would have performed better. I think it would have been accepted for what it was as opposed to being judged against what it was called.
0: Um, did you have any problems? Because it's very, I mean, you, the
2: fashion, it's, it's kind of early 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, did that take you out of it at all? Um, I don't think so. I feel like there was, a, for me, it fit with the cinematography. Like, That's where the, the digital shots, I think they might have taken me out of things more. Um, especially the well it really got me the explosion uh in the trail when mm. when uh when Jose blows up the trailer with the cell phone. Okay. And that shot is very, very clearly a digital composite that was done with the rawest of raw footage and it was like mm. that that bummed me out. I don't think the fashion choices threw me Colin Farrell's hair took a little bit of getting right. used to, but once I was used to well, that's just who he is. Okay. I think the speed with which they got into the game as undercover operatives maybe whiplashed me a little I bit. I liked oh, it. Oh, I love it. It was, right fucking to it. was to 20, it.
1: 20 minutes in, they're like, you're being deputized by the FBI. Right. I'm it was
0: like, like Wait, <laughs> what? Go, go wants to read another, he wants another Spider-Man origin story. Please <laughs> no, tell no, us how Peter Parker got no, bit no. by a spider it, again.
2: It could have even just been fuck. like, five days later. You no, know, no, just put that. one of those in the bottom. Get me right it's into it, that
0: goddamn just... Lamborghini they're driving a Ferrari. <laughs> um, I did not know. I just looked at the Rotten Tomatoes. This boggles my mind. 47% critics, 43%
2: audience. That's interesting. Crazy. I know there is a strong wow. current of people since the movie came out yeah. that have found it and enjoyed it and have kind of been evangelizing about it. Where do I That's find this current? I
0: want to swim in this current. Where do I find it? <laughs> it's
2: uh, it's it may not be the the most uh, you know, voluminous number of people, but it's it's there like there are a lot of people who feel like it was maligned unfairly when it first came out for whatever reason and on uh on review as time has gone by it it should get a better shake and i think that's that seems reasonable i think again a lot of people reviewed it in context with the tv show and now people are seeing it that never watched the tv show and so you go like well this is a fun movie yeah. this is a this is an, an action adventure movie with cartel and undercover and there's a lot going on here uh, what's what's not to like i mean i have my quibbles as as evidenced by Goats my hashtag quibbles. but you know i think i don't think it's the complete train wreck that it was made out to be when it first came a lot, out.
0: most of these i'm reading some of these reviews and a lot of the people that don't like it are saying it's not as much fun as they expected it to be yeah um because i guess they were expecting the television show but i don't know there's a lot of fun scenes i think in this fucking movie yeah,
1: i think there's a lot to smile at and pump your fist over um and and I don't know, 2006 was a weird time for movies. Like, yeah. you, you have, you know, you have, like, your Departed wins Best Picture, right? But uh, uh, movies coming out in, in, you know, we're, like, well into the War on Terror. And, like, between, I would say, like, 03 to, like, 07, movies are fucking weird. You know it came out in 2006? Yeah. 300. Oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Somebody's favorite Steve, director. Steamed no. up. Oh fuck that guy. But I do love three hundred. <laughs> Daddy he hates three. How can you hate three hundred? They're fucking, just naked they're fighting just, the whole movie. Just I, naked I, rip dudes. It's Michael Fassbender <laughs> doing fucking throwing spears. How do you not like that?
2: You're He's pleading the fifth. Fucking he clown.
0: Makes bad that's, that's amazing. <laughs> you don't like, dude? You cannot not like Gerard Butler as fucking Leonidas. He's so over the top. The cast is good
2: off well and put, an old, put
0: anyone
1: else in that director's chair and made, so, so if
0: it's just another name on it you'd like it it has nothing to do with the it actual movie made, itself it would have made it would have looked better than the way it looks oh it looks fucking amazing if you go back and watch oh, it, looks, it recently it looks like
2: a cartoon oh you're the fuck but that's worse. the point it's stylized. yes no. it's supposed
0: to look if you read the graphic novel it looks exactly like the graphic novel almost panel for panel
2: same thing people say the same thing people say the same same thing about Watchmen though
0: you have decided that you hate it's not Watchmen 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 is jerking off into a ceiling fan three hours of fucking montages Watchmen can suck my balls (laughs) I don't like that dude any more than you do but I wouldn't just look at a movie and say well he did it it sucks if it doesn't Dude, I rewatched it. I, I, am I, 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 trying to get rid of the Blu-ray. You want it? Go. You want it? Yeah, sure. I'll give you. Yeah, I'll take it. Go. I'll get it. Out of here. Well, I, I can't have it. All right. So. Uh, what did you give it? What did you
2: give my? So now I don't want to. You know, I, I reserve the right to change it on repeat viewings, but I'm at a three and a half for this as well. Okay. Um, I think some of the characters were. <laughs> oh, you, did, you! Donnie just gave the double. Yeah, he did. It was a double and a tongue out. Like that was that was the official. I hate you forever. I think I'm now in Zack Snyder town. And he's sober. Usually we don't yeah, see I that know. until the, the
1: fucking. So I had twenty ounces of cold brew. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I say, I might have stepped in a pile of shit on that review number, but I think some of the characterizations are caricatures instead of. And so I got kind of was taken out. I and I couldn't help but compare it to heat, um, oh, because it, and and with heat. Like, the characters were still big, but they were so solid. And, like, the performances were so deeper than surface level. I feel like there was a lot that happened uh, in Miami Vice that, that didn't resonate quite as deeply as that. And so it was hard to pull myself away from the comparison. And, again, that's another unfair shake to Miami Vice by comparison as opposed to judging it on its own merit. Now, I do reserve the right to upgrade on future viewings because I will watch this again.
0: I'm gonna, I, I don't need, feel the need to review it. I'm going to give it a... F- it's very close to a four and a half. A heat is a five for me. Heat is one of my rare I have five or six ten maybe ten fives. And heat is one of that. I'm gonna give it I'll just say I'll, I'll say that a four, just four just to be conservative. But it is way closer to a four and a half than a three and a half for me.
1: It I mean, it sits at a four and a half for me. I like really fell in love with it the first time I watched it. Um That's great. and and I, I really love to revisit it. Like I think it's my favorite right now it's my favorite like Fuck it! I don't know what else I want to watch. I'm going to throw in the Blu-ray. You and, told me and, it's a great late-night
2: movie. It, it, it yeah, is a great, is.
1: great late-night movie, um, and uh, it's 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 in my rotation of favorites. And I, I I go. You're right. I mean, I am in that camp of like evangelizing it, where I'm like, you haven't seen this, you really should check it out. Like, it's worth your time. It's worth talking about with friends. It's worth going back to. Also.
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: And um, if you're listening and you're looking to watch it for the first time, try to find the director's cut. It's like ten ish minutes longer. It
2: might only be like five minutes longer, it, but there's enough. Yeah, there's you know?
1: enough, and importantly, the theatrical cut does not have that non-point cover in it. Apparently, hmm. apparently he cut really. It out. I, that's that's what I that's what I read. You um, sure it's not a, a rights thing? I've, I've I, I'm not sure. I've 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 only seen the director's cut. I just remember whenever it was bouncing around. Whenever I would hear about it, people would say watch the director's cut. It's just there's a couple like cooler pieces in there. That I haven't seen that. I would the like to see that.
0: Cut. Is that on the Blu-ray or? it's
1: it's the most accessible version right now like the blu-ray i think is only the director's cut huh. um so i would I'd be happy to, to pass it around yeah i'd like it. to see
0: it um the just a quick sidebar. It's, it's funny how this works i never thought about securing the rights to music all that much i'm like oh they got a budget they'll do mm-hmm. it so I, I i was talking to the director of uh the, the the movie that i'm in and he's trying to get this um a queen song and oh boy apparently after that whatever that bohemian rhapsody was bohemian rhapsody a yeah fucking nightmare so, of a movie. So, d- listen to this gonna, this is gonna rub you the wrong way so that movie wasn't a huge hit like it was you know it was fine and i think it was kind of middling and people I,
2: gave it a lot of respect yeah yeah, yeah i don't think I it, didn't.
0: after that movie he said that the fucking agency that's in charge of licensing oh, out I'm, queen sh- music i can only imagine they want five hundred thousand dollars to sure. use any fucking queen song and he's like nobody he said nobody's doing it like no one's actually paying for it but like they're stuck on this fucking hill where they're like well now it's raised queen to another level for no it fucking has yeah they were
2: already at that yeah, level it's one of the
0: biggest rock bands of all yeah. time um but this it, it sounds like it's upsetting a nightmare because he he made this movie where he had like certain songs in mind and then it's like Oh, I just don't have the budget to secure this well, fucking and song. And that's
1: why sometimes if you're watching a movie and you hear like an interesting cover of a song, that's normally because they You can think, re-record it with a yeah. much
2: less uh, yeah, it's, it's much lower cheaper. clearance fee. It's yeah. a lot cheaper
1: to play a cover. Now, I don't think that's the case with Miami Vice. I think that's him just like That was just a, that was a stylistic is, yeah, choice. Stylistic. Yeah. This is an updated world, so this is an updated version of this song. But, and that music
0: uh, was very, I mean, that kind of, I don't know, what do you call that? New metal? I don't even know what
2: you would call that.
1: I guess then. so, yeah. Just the like, non-point, like definitely, alternative yeah. rock, you know, in that era. Michael Mann loves that shit. You know, Soundgarden, not Soundgarden, Audio Slave is all over some of those yeah. movies that he I was making. I think there's
2: three Audio Slave songs yeah. in yeah. Miami Vice. Some deep cuts, too. Yeah. Uh, some real good songs. Linkin Park right pops up. I'm just <laughs> a pre- yeah, the well, the Jay Z Linkin Park. Uh, yeah, i pop like every Remix, time. right? That's, well, so I would say as far Delicious as music, music clearance, I'm really happy that people are thinking about it beforehand now at least. I know it's a pain in the ass to get it done, but there's nothing worse than replacement music in something that was cleared for a certain amount of time, right. but now... Because the rights reverted or it was broadcast on TV back in you know the 70s or 80s. And now they have to have generic replacement crap music in when place. When does that happen? I
0: don't know if I've ever seen that.
2: Um, the biggest, the, probably for as far as TV nerds are concerned, uh, WKRP. <laughs> of course. Like, no, but well, because it was based on a radio station right. in the 70s. Yeah. So the music was part of the fabric of the show. And they would cut to something, and when it would run in syndication, it would be like Muzak versions yeah. of it, or completely replaced I mean, generic have, rock versions of something that's just terrible. I have a worse
1: example. It's all over nine hundred two one zero as well.
2: Okay, you know, like huh. David, that is a worse David's example. Playing songs oh. in the radio station. What are you and- guys doing? <laughs> well, I mean, I just remember <laughs> when they were releasing WKRP on DVD for the first time, and everything was replaced. And then finally, the fine people at Shout decided that they'd spend as much as they could to get it as close as they could. Well, what but- is
0: Dottie doing watching? Well, you like Melrose Place. You're always yeah. talking about. Yeah. All place. <laughs> Fucking god damn, watch up football? That's it's my <laughs> um, That's junk food. There's, uh, there's a, an example of this where Howard Stern had this uh, television uh, network called Howard TV and it was on demand. You had to pay for it. Oh, and yeah. So yeah. they play all these Gary Delabate songs as producer. They play all these Baba Booey, uh parody songs, but they're parodying real songs. So they didn't want to pay for the rights for Howard TV. So they have like three Baba Booey songs. And Howard plays these things all the time. So they just recycle the oh. same three
2: and it is... Fucking painful. It's so upsetting. Yeah. It takes you right out of whatever the segment is. And because it's overdubbed, it just sounded like shit. Like entrance music on old wrestling shows where you'll get the overdub of the generic whatever because they didn't, especially old ECW because they didn't want to pay for Enter Sandman. So it's just oh. now like the ECW song where the Sandman's coming out, and you're like, "Oh."
0: It did work well though when when Punk had that fucking what was that crazy metal song he had before he went back to cult of personality. Oh, oh the crap. the AFI song. I think is it AFI? Yeah, the one yeah. that started. Cause, like, cause he, he came oh, out to like, AFI.
1: Yeah. Uh, at one of the recent. Paper well, when games, that's he won the, When that's...
0: he when he blew the kiss and he fucking went into the crowd, yeah. he came out to that song and yes. it was just like. It fucking ripped the the roof off of the, I don't know, cult of personality. I just heard it so many times on the fucking radio that every time he comes out, I'm like, come on, man. How many more walkouts are you going to have with this piece of shit? But no. Hey, hey. hey. But it goes back <laughs> to wrestling quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah it's funny fault. how that works. My uh, fault. Okay. Are we good? I think I'm good. Good. All right. Uh, we're we're going to do a, a, a make it show for you guys next, I think. I think we have a good concept for I that. I like it. And X uh, a couple weeks. From X now. will be the next.
2: As soon as that movie you know, drops down. We'll send up the flare to, for yeah, the pricing. Yeah. I ain't
0: fucking paying no on 19.99. But if it goes down to 5.99, dollars I, I can stomach that. All right. Very good. Excellent. Um, yeah. Oh, real, real quick. You know what? We'll do that on yesterday's episode. Like it. Yes. Yesterday's episode, we will have had the conversation that we were going to talk about right now.
2: Time Machine. Very good.
0: Um, all right, uh, are we done here, Donnie? And with that being said, I'm
1: tired of talking, Duke. Right. I just want to go up to Baltimore and get oh, drunk.
0: God. Oh.